all others that God will call. So it doesn't say help only the saved, but those who are heirs of salvation. You might need angelic help to live long enough to get saved, you know. So <laughs> I know I have. So it's just uh, God looks out for us every every single way that he can, and that's such a blessing. So why don't we get started. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne of grace. Let us find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Lord, we call you good, and we ask you to be good to the people who are standing in the path of what would be destruction. Destruction, we break your power and we bind you in the name of Jesus. We say destruction is far from us, far from our nation, far from the people in Cuba and the Caribbean. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, to save even people's animals. Let them go to safety, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Save all that can cry out to you, Father, and all who are in need of your mercy. So we thank you and we bless you that angels are dispatched heavily in that area, even now as we speak. And we honor you and we love you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness and your provision. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen. So if you'll turn to page 37, we'll start. We're going to talk about how angels direct you so that you don't lose your way. <laughs> Amen. It's such an important thing to know that uh, angels help to bring us safely to our destinations. Amen. I know some people are, you ever know people who are really good at directions and people are really bad at directions? <laughs> I think sometimes people, what we call maybe an instinct or intuition is really a sensitive sensitivity to angelic help. You know, that, that kind of thing where we just can get that answer really, really quickly and uh, and follow through on it. I think that's the other thing, too. Sometimes you'll have, you ever say, I should have, something told me to go that way. You know, that kind of stuff, and you didn't do it. And so I think being obedient to that leading increases the uh, confidence that you have in angelic help and that you're hearing correctly and you can can go those ways. So I, I think it's very important for us to know that angels are still interacting with us, uh, even though it's not Old Testament and it's not, you know, Bible time, so to speak. But I know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that his, his uh, covenant covers the same kind of activity i don't see why angels wouldn't be active in our lives today just like they always have been in the lives of believers i just know that they do help us and they are are helpful in everything that we do so uh so anyway we start out here where an angel is is giving direction in this uh segment is go this way certainly it must have happened to you getting lost as you search for some unfamiliar address Perhaps you became completely disoriented. This can be frightening. So you pull into a service station if one is available and open and ask for directions. Maybe you buy a map. Then how comforting it can be to get your bearings and head out confidently to for your destination. Now these days everybody has GPS and we rely on that. However, your little GPSers can be wrong as well. Amen. 
And so, uh, you know, we, we just have to understand that you'll always have a need for God. You always have a need for his angels to help us get our bearings. The need for clear direction in spiritual matters is very important. One great thing angels occasionally do is direct believers. Three men who were once very glad about the reality of angelic direction were Abraham, a servant, and a son. Abraham's son Isaac was unmarried, and Abraham wanted to find a wife for him. Oh, you mean parents are allowed to do that? You better. It's in the Bible. It does. It doesn't matter what dispensation or age or anything that we're in. Amen. You be hunting. Don't let your your son or daughter hook up with just anybody. You you have something to say about that. Amen. 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 So Abraham wanted to find a wife for him. So the patriarch set off the eldest of his servants on the extremely important mission of finding a wife for Isaac among his relatives in the land from which God had originally called him. So he sends him back to where he had come from because he looked around the land where they were and said, no, this ain't going to work. Parents can do that. Uh, You better. You know what's going to work and what's not going to work. You see a woman and she more man than your son is, you better leave. jump in his chest the minute he say he don't want to do something you gotta them chest jumpers is pretty rough huh (laughs) so he sent out the eldest of his servants the one that he had left in charge of everything I'm going to go to that in Genesis 24 because I like reading that passage because it, it warms my heart. I think that his father thought enough about his son and his future to make sure he married well. You got me? There's nothing wrong with that, parents. And don't let your kids buffalo you and he just like to control everything. Yeah, you got that right. huh? If I could, I would. You know you can only do so much, so the little so much you can do, get to doing it. Amen? So it says, Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And I think there are certain things that uh, parents need to take care of for their children before they die. You know what I'm saying? When you start getting up in years, you start thinking about, now what am I going to leave to my children? How is it going to be distributed? I want to make sure that everything's taken care of and I don't leave a mess for them when I leave the earth. And so that's, and many people do it when they're younger. They just always have a plan out there to take care of their offspring. So he, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham was done. He had gotten everything that he wanted out of life. 
And he said here, and Abraham said to his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, he said, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of all the earth, that you shall not take a wife unto my um, unto my sons, son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. So Abraham comes there as a stranger. He's setting up his life as a worshiper of God, but the Canaanites worship other gods, and he doesn't want his son to lose out by marrying wrong. You got me? You can marry right and you can marry wrong. Whoever she is. <laughs> so so he says none of them none of them among whom i dwell this is like your kid you've been in a church all their life and then find a sinner and that's marrying wrong you know what i'm saying they just make sure your children marry well amen and make sure they know something about the bible they when they go to read it make sure they hold it up this way and not that way We got fake everything out here. We got fake believers, unbelievers. Because uh, what's going to happen? They get married to Yoki and pull them out of where they are and they go over to some dead church with them. Might as well wait, honey. Might as well, don't be too eager to jump into stuff. Amen. And so he says, don't, don't let my son marry nobody around here. Go to another town and find him somebody. And he said, in, in those days, putting the hand under the thigh was the way that the Hebrews swore as far as their offspring was concerned. So, you know, you had different oaths that you would swear, but it was especially important that you would swear, uh, they, they believe, now some people think, that that the loins where they come from or the sex organ was the part that they were swearing on they were swearing on him his seed and his seed seed that's why that area of the body was chosen because people say well put your hand over your heart or put it someplace else why there and that is why and and even the word testimony that we use for testify has the root and the same as testicle amen is where where your seed the seed that inherits everything comes from so there is some validity there but he's making him swear and he's swearing on his son his grandchildren all generations underneath him that this is very very important for them and their their increase is going to come with choosing the right wife for him uh, their relationship with God is dependent upon choosing the right spouse. All of those things are dependent upon the right choice being made. So it's very important that the servant make the right choice. He's a servant who's given charge over everything in the household. So he's got wisdom already. He knows how Abraham uh, serves God and loves God, how Abraham conducts business. So he is a capable person as far as carrying out this choosing is concerned 
You, you put that decision in the hands of capable people. Now, I know we don't do a lot of that these days, but I think it's very important. Like, I'll hear some of these uh, 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 Christian people that really take choosing a husband or wife seriously. They'll say things like, well, I submitted it to, we both submitted it to our pastors. We submitted it to our parents to help us pray this through and make sure we were making the right choice. When you go before, amen, when you go before the, the, the uh, minister, the pastor, they caution you not to enter into this covenant ill-advisedly under impulse. Make sure that you are clear and free in your conscience to make this commitment. And there's not some, you know, uh, 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 baby mama stuff somewhere you ain't told nobody about. And you get married to somebody who thinks you got a free and clear marriage and you start getting all these subpoenas in the mailbox. And don't say it don't make no difference. God is bigger than that. Don't lie to yourself like that. You wait until you got to work and take care of some other woman's kids and say it don't matter. It matters a whole lot. Huh? You know, you got to look at their resume. Now, I realize we're all new creatures in Christ. All our sins are forgiven, yada, 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 yada. You know, we like to recite that stuff when people say, now, are you sure this is, huh? You know, you look at your little blurb of, of two lines and they, you got to roll out a roll of toilet paper to get their rap sheet out there. I say, wait a minute, they don't look right. Y'all resumes don't match each other. Huh? How are you going to be compatible and live together? Come on now. Let's, people, you get married to people, they got different ideas about uh, work, children, careers. Everything's different than what you believe in. You find yourself struggling and, and fighting the whole time. Or just caving in and being unhappy. It makes a difference to take time to pray these things through. Amen. Never go against the spiritual authority that God has set in your life. That's just wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. So Abraham said to him, verse, <clears throat> the servant said to him in verse 5, uh, no, four. But but you shall go to my country and to my kindred, take a wife to my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, But if the woman won't be willing to follow me to this land, then she's a zero. She ain't a hero. <laughs> Leave her there. But you ain't taking my boy backwards. My boy is going forwards. Amen. Because he got important things to do. God told me he would bless him in this land, not back where I came from. Now we can go back and find somebody, but she got to come this way. So the Lord and Abraham said to him, beware that you don't bring, uh, that you bring not my son back 
there again and the lord god of heaven which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and which spoke to me and that swear to me saying unto your seed will i give this land he shall send his angel before you and you shall take a wife unto my son from there and if the woman's not willing to follow you then you're clear from this oath you know i mean just just don't bring nobody here you hear me and don't get my son involved in going nowhere <clears throat> being around her peoples and well, we got to be around my people them heathens no don't let your kids grow up around don't, don't let them get transplanted over with some kind of living with the beverly hillbillies paul do we wash these dishes or we throw them out <laughs> your kids wouldn't be able to handle that know what i'm saying come on now don't don't mess that up find them somebody eat with a knife and a fork don't and the servant put his hand under the thigh of abraham his master and swore to him concerning that matter and the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand he arose and went to mesopotamia to the city of nahor and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening that women go out to draw water okay so this is where right this is where you pick the chicks up huh now we see that over and over again in the bible later down the line moses would find his wife at the well drawing water you got me now why is that well if you want a wife you want somebody doing wifely things you want a girl that's going to do her chores in her father's house going to take care of the house going to make a decent home from you is minding her father's business <laughs> she would go out at the the customary time where all the women were gathered together the woman at the well the one jesus met was the only woman there Just because she at the well don't mean she your wife. What's she doing there by herself? All the girls that in their daddy's house come together. What's she looking for? She ain't looking for water. Looking for husband number whatever it was. <laughs> And she don't have to get married to him either. (laughs) 
only let us be called by your name. Let me be Mrs. Somebody for like two months. And you can go your way, I go mine. So he went there and got the drink, and of course, Rebecca shows up. Amen. Verse 16, she's very fair to look upon a virgin. No man had known her. And so the, the word is very explicit about that. I know people, you know, you know, your sins are forgiven. Forgiving, being forgiven, and being a new creature are two different things. You know, you really have to be diligent in the way you commit yourself to the Lord. You know, and I, I know young Christian people think that there's no difference, but there is. You know, people's souls get damaged when they have relationships, intimate relationships with different people. So instead of you marrying somebody damaged, get somebody who's whole if you're moving on to wholeness. You both want to be whole, you know. You don't want to be crippled just propping each other up. You under, God has so much more for us. You know, and I'm not saying that that person, you know, if you're up in years, they have to be a virgin or anything like that. But at least be a new creature. You know what I mean by that? They they know that 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 was sin. They've asked God to forgive them. They're cleansed. They're healed. And it's a new day with you. It's not dragging that old stuff into your new relationship. You know, the more people reject you and walk away from you, the less value you have in your own eyes. It's just true. I mean, we feel little about ourselves enough just on our own, you know. You, you, I had a boyfriend. He wasn't no good. And he walked, oh, brother, you know. You got to, you know. We can do better than that, folks. Yeah, you just make sure you submit these things to people who are spiritually mature, have a stake in your life, like your parents and your pastors. Don't buck spiritual authority and just so you can do what you want to do. You got me? It's worth it to get that straightened out because... It doesn't mean that you won't wind up with that person, but y'all got some work to do, Lucy, before you start jumping a broom. You need counseling. You need to understand what you're getting into. You both need to get into the word where marriage is concerned. Spend most of your time compromising with each other just to keep keep it together. You know, there's no joy there. You You want to. You want a relationship that's filled with joy, where God can bless you the way he wants to bless you, give you all the things that, that he wants to give you, you know, and, and there's freedom there. You know, there's love there. There's peace there. There's good expectation all the time. You know, that, that's what God has in mind for marriage. It's wonderful, 
when it can be done as unto the Lord. Not me. Sometimes people get get married before they come to know the Lord. You know, that was my situation. And I felt like, I said, well, God, I had done every sin and everything I wanted to do before I got married. I mean, before I came to you, you know, my life of sin was over. So I was really ready to commit myself to living for God, you know, and let him take care of certain things. My marriage was one of the main things I let him take care of. You know, I was so glad not to have to worry about, did I do this right or did I do it? You understand what I'm saying? Living on eggshells, pins, and needles. Married people need to say amen because you know you've been there. And that's, that's part of the pressure of trying to keep a relationship together under your own power. Huh? That's no good. I got assurance from God one day that if I really, really committed my life to him and pleased him, everything would be okay. He would straighten everything out for me. Amen? But you don't want to walk through that if you don't have to. You're already saved. Find somebody who's good and saved. Amen? Find somebody who respects authority. Find somebody who respects their pastor, their parents, everybody. Find somebody who really lives like a Christian, lives holy, and wants to live for God. And it, it might take some time, but it takes it, it. It doesn't take so much time as it takes you getting confident that God can lead you to that person or lead that person to you. You just got to get settled about that, and don't let the devil pick you all the time. Well, if you don't do this, you're running out of time. No, you're not. You're not. God brings time with him. Huh? You get married a couple of years and have one or two kids by then, you look just like everybody else has been married for 15 years. Trust me. But if you're in the Lord with it, you're trusting God every step of the way, then it'll work out fine for you. You can't. And give 100% to God. Quit worrying about that person. Quit worrying about pleasing them. And he looking all funny. Wonder what? What is he? Don't be wondering about nobody. Hmm? I forgot I was married. Half the time I was married, I was so caught up in serving God. Forget people. I mean, love them, but forget them. Don't let them be a worry. You know what I'm saying? Let let Bubba take care of himself and you take care of yourself in the Lord. Got me? Do your part. And it'll work out. But make solid decisions in God. So so it was so important to Abraham that his son marry well. He made his servant swear, don't come back here with nobody that don't fit the bill. You've got to have a certain certain level of... Uh, criteria that you don't compromise on if you're going to find what God has for you because you know in your heart what you do I don't know why I'm going here why do I have to keep going here all the time you know in your heart what you desire you know what I'm saying don't compromise don't sit up and and say well you know I know that ain't right but you'll have a whole list of stuff like that to keep it up I mean what is important so you have to have peace about these decisions, and you have to listen to God. What is God telling you to do? 
So, and that was what, that's what, that's what, that's how we got here is by Abraham making this covenant based decision, a, a decision where God put it on his heart, what type of woman, where to find her, all of these things. And guess what? God was faithful. He planted her right there where she was supposed to be at the right time. The servant didn't have to roam all around the place 15 days looking for somebody. He went right to her because God heard Abraham's heart and heard his prayer and had that girl positioned there when he first got there. She got water. He said, let her get water for me and for my animals. She did all of those things right down the line. And he found out who she was and where she lived. And he went there and introduced himself to the family and lodged with them for a period of time. Now, what more could you want? He got to stay with them and inspect how they really lived behind closed doors. You got me? And when he got peace in his heart, he, he determined that this was the woman for Isaac. And so he was able to bring her back, bring Rebecca back to Isaac and happily ever after, except for their little problems. You know, they had enough problems as it was. They didn't want, need to start out with a bad beginning. You're going to have issues or problems with anybody you're trying to get along with. That's part of getting along, is getting that ironed out. And so he was able to, to do those things, and she was able, he was able to find that wife for him. It says, <clears throat> perhaps the servant was fearful. This is uh, third, page 37, paragraph one, two, three, four. Perhaps the servant was fearful that he might make the wrong choice. Abraham said something to him that was reassuring. He said, God will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife unto my son from there. So Abraham, of course, worshipped God, had a covenant with God, and God spoke to him and said, tell your servant, don't fear making a mistake. I'll send my angel ahead of him to guide him along the way. And that's exactly what took place. An angel led the servant directly to the beautiful young Rebecca, and she readily agreed to leave her home and people to become the bride of Isaac. So everything fell in line, fell in. Isn't that beautiful? Now, does that sound like what the average Christian thinks about? Oh, I ain't going to find nobody. <laughs> oh, they're going to find you. If you're, <laughs> we hope, huh? Just be what he envisions when he shows up. Huh? Just be what he envisions when he, when he shows up. You know how you know what he's looking for? By obeying God. Isn't that what Rebecca did? She went down to the well and drew water with the rest of the girls in the village like she always did. You can be what that man envisions when he lays eyes on you. Just be obedient to God. Huh? Who am I talking to? Am I talking to the rug or? <laughs> well, at least I'm talking to the parents that's got grown kids. Huh? Everybody else looking all guilty and shrinking down in a chair and stuff. I'll need to wake up and be serious about this. You know what I'm saying? It's, you don't have to take chances on somebody. 
just just have confidence in God. God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. And be sure about that. And if you're not sure, ask him what to do. You got me? For another example of angelic direction, jump ahead several hundred years in the history of God's people to the time of the judges. Under great oppression, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he determined to send them deliverance through the man Gideon. In Judges uh, chapter 6 and verse 2, I think I can just read this a little bit. It says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Then this angel went on to tell Gideon just how he was about to, how to go about the job of freeing God's people from their enemies. Gideon didn't have to guess what he was to do or how he was to do it. The Lord gave specific directions through his angel. So God then uses angels to speak to us, and I believe that there are times when we need to hear uh, angelic voices or they will intercede uh, in place sometimes of the Holy Spirit in certain situations. For instance, I believe that if God needs to get a message to a sinner or to somebody who isn't sure about the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, we talked about we'll, we'll hear uh, a voice tell us to do something, and we're not sure. And you say, I should have said, I knew I should have said, something told me, that kind of thing. And I think when God wants us to be certain, he will use angels to amplify that voice or to make that voice certain to us so that it's hard for us to wiggle out of knowing exactly what to do. Angels have that. The Holy Spirit tends to lead and guide, which means we must listen and we must follow. But angels have a strong command to them to make sure that so in desperate situations, you'll get angelic help because you must do what they say. They have a presence about them. They have a force with them that compels you. It's like a do or die. You've got to listen to them or it's going to be costly for you in the long run. You got me? Holy Spirit works with us by speaking to us. For instance, if you say if you are concerned about somebody you meet, if that's the person that you should spend time with, if that's going to be somebody that you would marry, the Holy Spirit can tell you, and can lead you and to give you a a witness in your spirit or not give you a witness in your spirit but he can't compel you you got me angels tend to compel amen so in in generally in decisions that we have to make god can help us down the road to get it straightened out sometimes it's a rough road but he knows he can meet you down the road and help you when you're more likely one listen to him you got me but if it's a do or die, like with Mary and, and uh, the angel that told her that she would be the mother of Jesus, she had to be strongly compelled to listen because this was a do or die. This, the, all the marbles of the whole world is, is riding on this working out. 
Same thing with Zechariah. He wanted to get Angel a little lip, a little unbelief, and he shut him up until it was time for him to talk. So he compelled him. There's a compelling voice, and then there's a leading voice. You got me? So the Holy Spirit tends to lead us, and if he can't lead us, he'll say, okay, you go this way, and I'll meet you 10 years down the road and show you you're making a wrong decision. Let us grow up, folks. God can't twist your arm and hold you down and make you make the right decision. But he can meet you down the road. Now, that's happened to us, hasn't it? It's happened to many of us. I know we don't like to really get down and and admit that to each other, but, huh? Why? God says, he says, don't be deceived. You can't mock me. You can't make fun of me and say, this is not, my word is not true. I tell you, if you make a bad decision, there's fruit for it. So you make your bad decision, and then later down the road, after you see the fruit, he comes up and he lets you know, I'm here still. I'm going to help you. But the fruit's bad. So then now you want his help, right? Been there, done that. We all been there. That's what a good father does. Amen. That's what you parents will do with your children. You'll be down the road to help them, but you warned them and told them several times, don't do this. You're going to have to pay for it. Huh? I tell you this, too. Your standard is higher for your children than theirs is for them, even though they talk a good game. By the same token, God's standard for us is higher. Amen. Than ours is. We just will get some. God wants us to have the best. He wants us to have something that's going to be pleasing to us. Amen. Because he knows us. <laughs> he knows you want to strangle the brother if he don't straighten up. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Said, no, you don't want to do that, sis, because I know you. I've been knowing you since you were three. And before. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anywho, so so we have to understand that God can't deny himself. So he has to show you at some point what the truth is of that situation. Huh? He can't deny himself. He said, yeah, I tried to tell you. No, you wouldn't listen. So now we got to go about correcting it and get you in the right spot now. He'll always be there. The gifts and the callings, the promises are always on the table. They're never off the table. Amen. But hopefully next time we respect God's voice more and we respect his leading as the right way to go. Not something that's going to keep us from having fun. (laughs) So anyway, so the angel of the Lord was with Gideon. The Lord gave him specific directions through his angel. The New Testament gives us other fine examples of angelic leadership. It happened to Philip, one of the original seven deacons. The Lord wanted to direct him to a special evangelistic task. But how would that direction be given? Acts 8.26, And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert 
So God told him from A to Z how to get as far as he wanted him to get in that one one direction. Many times God doesn't give us the whole picture of what he wants us to do, but he will give us enough so that we can show him enough faith that he's confident that we'll he can guide us the rest of the way. Many times he won't tell you all the ends ups, ins and outs and ups and downs of a situation. He'll tell you enough to get you involved in it. Once you get involved, then you got to ask him for more. That's that's the way he's a faith God. So he gives you enough and he sees if you're going to obey that far, then he'll give you the rest of it. Because at the end of the day, you must live by faith. You can't live by judging and deciding whereas if he gave you all the information then you'd be judging him and deciding if you want to get involved in it and so he gives you enough so that you can get there by faith and then he'll give you the rest of it and so philip obeyed at at once and from that point on the holy spirit guided him so the angel got him started and the Holy Spirit then gave him the rest of what he was he was going to do. The man Cornelius needed to know about the salvation that could be found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was directed by an angel to send for Peter. Do angels perform the same service today, this ministry of providing direction for God's people? I'm confident they do. Though, of course, it can be proven, you know, I mean, you can take somebody's word for it that they saw an angel or an angel told them something or something like that. But but it's we don't have any more scripture that we're writing to document these things. And so but yes, angels are very necessary. If they weren't, God would never have created them. They're eternal beings and they're necessary throughout all of the ages. And so they do provide the same services now that they always have he says i've often felt when i have gone to do something or to reach somebody that god's angel directed me and had gone on before amen and that's the beautiful thing because you ever get into a flow of of things where everything's easy everything's at hand everything shows up before you ask for it everything's right there and I believe that's angelic help in our midst. Amen. Amen. And I think it comes when you live a peaceful life. Number one, you can't be agitated and angry and depressed and things. And the angels don't want to hang around that. And they don't have to. You know, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to be around that. But I think if you keep a, an atmosphere of faith, and love and the fruit of the spirit around you at all times then it's easy for god to move things into your life and make your life extremely easy for you you know what i'm saying i think the other thing is thanksgiving and expectation if you expect good things good things will come into your midst amen Um, one of the things that i know about christians is that we can feel we're promised so much that we feel we're entitled to things when they don't happen we get disgruntled and see that's just a wrong way of expecting anything from god he he doesn't owe you anything 
Amen. But hell, really, when you think about the wages of sin is death. But see, you've stepped into the gift of God through Jesus Christ. And so it's a mercy thing. And it's not, you're not entitled to anything. You you just really are not. God has a covenant with you, but you're not entitled. That covenant is contingent, number one, of your holy living, your faith. You're, you're deciding to humble yourself toward God. It's dependent upon you walking in the spirit where the blessings of God flow unhindered. And so you have to position yourself to walk in the promises of God. And trust me, once you position yourself in humility, the least thing you feel is entitled. That takes all the God owes me and, and I'm supposed to have and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Uh, um, and it lets you know that you are, are a fortunate person, that you've found this path in God where you can abide, where the devil won't come and hinder you. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's more like that than it is about, you know, some God owes you something or you're supposed to have certain things you know you 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 find out what god's what's on your plate find out what's in your cup find out what your portion is and allow god to bless you with your portion through your confidence in him and your faith and trust in him in your life of serving him if you don't sow seed you don't have much coming and so you you got to understand this folks this is this is the way this earth works this is the way his kingdom works so uh, angels do perform the same service today. The writer believes that. Angels also protect us. They protect believers. Uh, we have many instances of such protection recorded in the Bible. You know, I was thinking about this uh, the other day. In a lot of the battles that Israel fought, they never hit nobody. They never lifted a hand. Many times the people would turn on each other. Or they would get scared and drop everything and, and run off. And, and it was very, it was always very supernatural the way that God fought for them. Which lets us understand that we don't have to contend with and strive with people for what we need to get out of life. You know, you, we can lay that aside and just live in peace before god in the expectation of good you know all that fight is gone you know the only thing you'll have to wrestle with is what's in your brain to get you to accept the truth of god's word you know and lay down all that naughty thinking and crazy thinking and let god really speak to you and let him fill your mind and your life with his vision and uh and that kind of thing so you can live well that's what God wants to do for each and every one of us. So the angels do protect us. So he says there are many instances in the Bible of God's protection. The apostle Paul would tell you about that. Remember the time his ship was caught in a terrible storm as he went to Rome? How would you like to be Paul's cousin? Or, I mean, it's like, man, what is that dude into now? You sure you saved, Paul? You got so much... You know, that's the first thing we want to do is say people ain't living for God when they have trouble. It says his his ship was caught in a terrible storm as he went to Rome. Now, there's evidence in the Bible that 
Paul should not have been on his way to Rome because he appealed to Caesar. And he should have, well, trust God. But you know what? If somebody getting ready to whoop you for the umpteenth times, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You can't. You play some kind of card, so you don't have to get that whooping again. So I can forgive a brother for that. Me, myself. I, Paul, Paul said, I might have to go on a bad ship ride, but I'm getting out of here. I ain't getting whooped no more. Amen. He told him that he, did, he appealed to Caesar <laughs> instead of to God and got him up. But you know what? Paul had, now this is the interesting thing about that. Even though Paul is thought, and I can agree to some degree, that, that, you know, it was a wrong move. It was a carnal move on his part. At some point, your sins are forgiven. And you know that. And it's a new day in God. So I believe from Paul's experience obeying God consistently, it's like when Adam, when, when Eve was deceived by the, by the serpent and Adam entered into the transgression with her with his eyes wide open. See, hers were blinded, but his were open and he knew what he was doing. He did it knowing that God was merciful and that he was just and he was he knew God was going to do something because of his experience with God and see when you've had experience when I when I say experience I mean you step on on faith even if you make a mistake you take that chance because you want to please God that's having a pure heart you're not sitting back waiting and not doing anything, wondering if this is God or not forever. You know what I'm saying? You step out there. You have confidence. This is what the, all these people in the Bible, this is all that they did. They had a mandate from God, an instruction from God to get up and go do something. And they stepped out in faith to do it. And weren't always wondering, oh, what's going to happen? Suppose it's not right. See, that's, that's pride. You're wondering about how you going to look. God's trying to get some work done down here. And he's giving you all the tools. He's giving you the power of the Holy Spirit, your authority over all the works of darkness. He's giving you all spiritual equipment plus the blood of Jesus that cleanses you. If you mess up, get out there and mess up. Confess it and I'll forgive you and cleanse you. When he says that that the blood cleanses us, purges your conscience from dead works so you can serve the living God. If your conscience is purged from dead works, that means you are not afraid to step out on faith. Because what have you got to lose? The only loser is somebody who's sitting back not doing anything. I don't want to mis- make a mistake. Is that the most important thing between your relationship? You mean your relationship with God is that weak? You still scared of making a mistake? And all the married people and Mary wannabe said, you scared of making a mistake in a marriage, your marriage won't go anywhere.
Well, I don't cook. You better get them pans out there, girlfriend. <laughs> Stop that nonsense. I don't, I don't cook this and I don't cook that. Uh-huh. You scared of making a mistake? I used to work with some Hebrew sisters. Man, they mess your head up. Huh? Well, I found this wonderful place. And they cater and they send it over and it looks just like, I mean, they'll even give you the pots to put in so it looks just like you cooked it in the stove. I mean, she was she had enough money to do that every day, but she still honored the housewife mentality picture her husband had of her. She didn't want to upset him too bad. <laughs> As female trick, that's on the, the postgraduate level. Now y'all can't get there yet. Just. If I can keep y'all out of McDonald's and all them drive-thrus, that'll be a miracle. Uh (laughs) Okay, where was I at? Paul. Paul was on the ship, right? Okay. So, okay, that's page 39. So it seemed that certain vessels would be lost then all on board would drown. The sailors did everything they possibly could. But they recognized they were facing death. This is interesting. Because they started unloading the ship. They started uh, to- tossing things out. Everything that they did. And they, they exhausted themselves. Are you exhausted yet? You ready to let God move in your life? Just get exhausted and see if a miracle don't show up. What keeps our miracle from us most of the time is our works. Trying to bail ourselves out. Trying to do it ourselves. None of it was working. Paul needed to talk to God. Huh? God's going, Paul, you in all that trouble down there, you ain't talked to me yet. So then when the day they had to throw all the food overboard, because that was causing the ship to sink more. That was when everybody went on a fast. You got me? And that's when Paul finally heard from God. Amen? When he quit eating, and they quit bailing water out, and they got to where they couldn't do anything else, that's when God showed up. It's not a bad place to be, folks. That's a place where miracles happen. So in Acts 27, why don't I turn there? I want to read that. It's a little short passage. Paul had told them before they pulled set sail that they shouldn't go. Of course, they didn't listen to him because he, what was he? A prisoner of of Caesar. (laughs) That brother over in the red jumpsuit keep running his mouth. Uh Huh? I mean, it depends on how people perceive you many times. Acts 27, 
verse 18 when they had been been exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day they lightened the ship on the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship so all the ropes and stuff that would anchor you down so it's just bare wood now when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared they got so far out in the deep they didn't even see the sun come up it was pitch black he said for many days wonder where they were and no small and no small tempest lay on us it was irma jose and all them together all hope that we should be saved was taken away anybody ever been hopeless all hope that they should be saved was taken away but after long abstinence their hope is gone and they still don't get god to show up long abstinence paul stood forth in the midst of them and said sirs you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from crete and to have gained this harm and loss and now i exhort you to be of good cheer for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship is toast okay gonna be no ship for there stood by me this night the angel of god whose i am and whom i serve now paul as much as he prayed in tongues and lived close to god went without eating for quite a while fasting before he got through to god and this angel appeared to him uh, never give up folks everything they put in that boat was gone they'd thrown everything out they'd been without food and water for many days long abstinence and then god finally shows up now i exhort you be of good cheer for there shall no be no loss of any man's life among you that's the most important thing father we claim this for the people in in those areas where irma is threatening there will be no loss of any man's woman's or animal's life among you but of the ship for there stood by me this night an angel of the lord whose i am and whom i serve saying fear not paul you must be brought before caesar and lo god has given thee all them that sail with you has given you he must have prayed for the lives of all those people there wherefore sirs be of good cheer for i believe god that it shall be even as he told me howbeit we must cast upon a certain land and when the 14th night was come as we were driven up and down in adria about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew close to some country and they put down the sound and found it 20 fathoms and when they had gone a little further sounded again found it 15 so forth and so on so they're coming close to land fearing lest we should have fall upon the rocks they cast down four anchors and wished for the day and as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship paul said to the centurion and the soldier except these stay in the ship you can't be saved so here we go again panic 
wanting to do it your own way, getting scared. They're just about at land, and Paul tells them, don't get in that little ship. You've got to stay in this one or people will die. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, this day is the 14th day that we've continued fasting. Well, having taken nothing. Wherefore, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. There shall not any hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. They were all of good cheer. They even took some meat. And we were all in the ship, 203 score and 16 souls. That's a lot of people. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out out the wheat into the sea. So when it was day, they didn't know it was whether it was land or not. A certain uh, they discovered a certain creek with a shore to which they were minded, if it were possible, to thrust the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea, loosed the rudder bands, hoisted up the mainsail to the wind, and made towards shore. And falling into a place where two seas meet, they ran the ship aground. The forepot stuck fast into the, the, the shore and remained immovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. So it was still a storm out there. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first in the sea and get to land. And the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Amen. Amen. So God kept his word that Paul said. He told Paul, he said, you have to appear before Caesar. So Paul knew for certainty that he was going to get out of the ship. But he also prayed that God would uh, cause those other men to keep their lives too. I mean, you know, this is no time to get selfish. Amen. I mean, sometimes as Christians, we get our greatest blessing when we're being generous toward other people. Amen. You never in such dire circumstances that you can't be concerned about the welfare of another person as well. I mean, you know, come on, God, if he does it for you, he'll do it for other people. Amen. So Paul was able to see his word come to pass with the help of an angel that spoke to him, gave him a message from God, which Paul believed. He said, I believe God that it's going to be just as the angel told me. So with that angelic assurance of protection, no wonder Paul could encourage all those on board to cheer up. God, God's word gives us other examples of how angels protect the people. An angel shut the mouths of the lions as Daniel spent the night in the lion's den. Three young Hebrew men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, seemed certain to burn to death after being cast in a furnace that had been heated seven times hotter than it ought to have been. God's angel kept them from harm. Think back on your life, my friend. Perhaps you were spared from some horrible accident that could have seriously injured you or even killed you. 
you came through without a scratch. Could an angel have been on duty to save you in your moment of peril? Don't be surprised to learn someday in heaven that that is exactly what took place. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. So we're never alone. Amen. We're not alone. Miss Nola, we can have our, uh, do our quiz when we get back. So we'll adjourn to lunch, everybody. Amen. So we'll do our quiz and we'll do our offering when we get back. Well, Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us today, reassuring us about angelic help. Father, I thank you to make it real to us how much angels are there to help us. Let us have total confidence in your system to bless your people, to help your people. Father, let parents who are believing you for godly spouses, for their children, have confidence that angels are guiding their, their children to the right person, keeping the wrong people away and keeping them away from the wrong people that are not good for them. So, Lord, we commit everything that we have and that we desire to your mind and to your counsel and to your will. And we thank you that you work with us and you work supernaturally and angels are a part of that working. And we thank you. We love you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. We'll come back. Oh, Father, we thank you. Bless our bread and water. Take sickness from the midst of 